Hi, everyone. You're listening to the 10 Bound Sales Development Podcast. My name is Derek Williams, and this is a special series that we have dedicated to researching technology that's driving success for sales development teams. I have a very special guest with me today, the founder of Open Market, Tom Melbourne. It's interesting what Open Market is doing and what Tom is going to talk to us about today. My mind has shifted quite a bit after learning quite a bit from Tom here. Effectively, what I understand that they're doing is reimagining the SDR handoff process. So I know that's near and dear to a lot of folks' parts in the sales development arena, but I want to kind of elaborate on that a little bit. So fundamentally changing the way SDR opportunities are distributed to sales reps. I think we all have similar motions on a lot of our teams, but this is going to be brand new for a lot of you. So I really hope you, you know, kind of tune in. Instead of opportunities being assigned to a salesperson, a salesperson can actually choose the opportunity before deciding to work it. Effectively, what I understand are new opportunities or listings, as they're called in open market, are added to the open market marketplace where salespeople can bid on them. And effectively, SDRs are selling their opportunities to the AEs using market dollars, a fake currency. But it also ties into SDR comp and quality overall. There's a lot of elements here that we're going to unpack today. So I'm really excited Tom's here. Tom had expressed interest in being part of the 10 bound directory and market map. And so that's when we got our conversation started. We usually do an intake with new folks that are being added to the directory. And it completely threw me into left field when I learned what they were doing. And I wanted to share this with our community. Tom offers a super fresh perspective on how the SDR to AE engagement model can be reimagined. So without me kind of building it up anymore, let me just hand it over to you, Tom. Thanks for being on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, Derek, thanks for having me. Looking forward to, to talking with you today. Yeah, I probably butchered that intro a little yeah. bit, and I know you're going to really educate us quite a bit here. So give me a little bit of a background, if you could, for our listeners on you know what brought you to open market, particularly any inflection point in your background. I noticed in your background that you spent you had a long career at Citrix, which most people on here, I hope, are familiar with. Citrix is a very big brand, yeah. very respected <laughs> company. You're there for seven years, and then now you're here at open market. Talk to us about that journey. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're right. So Citrix was a really awesome opportunity. It actually happened out in Phoenix, Arizona, which is kind of part of the story. You know, basically it gave me just a really good opportunity to, you know, cut my teeth both as like an account executive and sales leader, got to learn the ropes, a SaaS organization and see what a really great, you know, company at scale and fully operational looks like. I've always been kind of pretty entrepreneurial at heart, which is one reason why I really love sales, but I also really love building things too, right? And so I hit a point a point in my career where I was really looking to take, you know, everything I'd learned now, right, and get in the front lines a little bit deeper, have a more bigger, meaningful impact at early stage companies. And so that transition actually happened one evening. I was about to sit down and have dinner with my family and a former sales manager of mine who had moved up to the Bay Area called me kind of out of the blue and told me about an opportunity to go to a startup called Mixed Panel, right? And at the time they just raised their Series B. They're looking to grow and scale their sales org. They're almost at a unicorn status. And so obviously there's a really incredibly interesting opportunity for me. And so after I hung up the call, I sat down, you know, had dinner with my family, had a conversation with my wife. And I think, I think the conversation happened during dinner where we decided you know, that we're going to go ahead and uproot our family from Arizona, wow. you know, plant roots up in the Bay Area. And so it turned out to just be like you know, a really good move for us as a family, but also just had really great opportunities to lead and build sales teams at early stage companies, really help hone my you know, skills as a sales leader. You know, gave me opportunities to build at companies and solve some problems, which really ultimately you know led me to where I am today with Open Market. That's awesome. I noticed that 
note everyone he's a president's club winner as well i saw 100 club in his time at mixed panel so you know he's a frontline guy too right that's always respectable so let's switch gears a little bit i am dying to share with the audience more about what open market is solving you know reimagining the distribution of opportunities from sdr to ae it's something that a lot of organizations struggle with to get it right so what's the problem you're solving yeah, listen, it's one I think I've experienced quite a bit, but at the highest level, you know, I think the sales pipeline, you know, funnel of SMB, you know, mid-market and commercial sales teams is really just leaking, you know, sellable opportunities and costing companies, you know, a bunch of revenue. I read a report once that they're estimating that cost to be about a trillion dollars a year. It's one that I've experienced. And so I think, you know, it's a problem that's big enough worth solving for. And when you start to dive into this, right, and you unpack it, you go down one more layer, you know, not only are you losing, you know, a bunch of sellable opportunities, but you're also, you know, seeing a lot of conflicts in teams, you know, poor customer experience, and just a lot of time wasted in sales, you know, in revenue operations. And so the problem really came, you know, from an observation through my career, right, where I've been fortunate to lead sales teams at a wide range of companies. I've seen things, you know, public, private, startup, hyper growth. And while each company was very different experience, there was definitely like this one problem and challenge that happened at every single stop. And so, that has to just do with like distributing you know, new leads and prospects you know, from the marketing team or from the SDRs over to the sales team. And so what you would think is something that you know, is a super simple and straightforward process really was anything but that. And so the challenge you know, felt a lot more like a tug of war you know, between them with a bunch of friction. And so look, just to focus the lens in this conversation for the listeners, I think it's a pretty common business practice you know, to see companies have a process in place where sales reps get a new prospect, right? And then they have the option to either accept it or not into the pipeline for the SDR to get credit. So I would imagine you're pretty familiar with that process. Yep. Yeah. So the idea of that flow really is just around quality control, right? And if the sales rep doesn't agree that the prospect was a good fit or meet the qualification criteria, then they can reject it to the pipeline and the SDR wouldn't get compensated for it. But in theory, this works like really, really good. But as a sales leader, you know, what I would see is I would be in meetings, you know, sometimes several times a week with an SDR and AE and both of their managers, right? And the whole conversation would be whether or not a lead should have been accepted to pipeline. And so watching every version of this conversation happen over and over, what I started to realize really is just that this process of accepting the prospect to the pipeline as a new opportunity designed to be, you know, quality control was really actually preventing pipeline that could have been created to the pipeline from being created at all. And so when you zoom out, right, and you think about what's actually happening in this process, you know, a new prospect is assigned to the AE and we ask them if they want to accept it to pipeline. So far, so good, right? You know, except that if they don't want it, right, and the prospect then gets rejected, what's happening is that the account executive is really, you know, rejecting it on behalf of the entire sales team. Hmm. And as a sales leader, I couldn't just move that prospect very easily to another AE for them to work it. What I started to see and learn through these conversations is just that if a sales rep didn't want a prospect, it didn't always mean you know, that the prospect wasn't sellable. It really just meant you know, that the prospect wasn't necessarily a good fit you know, for the sales rep. And so at the same time, you know, ensuring right, that we had a really defined qualification criteria in place, it was difficult to get a consensus on the quality criteria because the reality is that each sales rep would define what a great prospect was differently and it was really fluid depending on a whole bunch of factors, right? That were oftentimes personal to the sales rep. Right. And so, you know, something as simple as, you know, how much pipeline they were currently working, right? If a sales rep had a pipeline that was full, they'd be way more selective about, 
you know, who they wanted to prospect. They were basically looking for something that was like one call away from being a customer. Why? Because they just didn't have time, right, to call into other types of leads. But that same sales rep next month with no pipeline, right, well, they'd be willing to talk to kind of, you know, anybody. Or if they're new, for instance, as well, those, you know, they, they'll talk to anybody with a heartbeat in the territory or the account list. I'm with you. Yeah, this is very familiar. Yeah, it is. It's one I've lived a bunch. And so seeing that, right, the concept got me to realize that, you know, lead distribution by assignments, you know, thinking about territories and round robins, right, is really just missing that ability to be fluid and is kind of, you know, really just fundamentally broken. Hmm. Assignments really just being the operative word there. And so what I mean by that is like, look, if I click down one more layer and you think and you zoom out as businesses, right? What do we do? We spend a lot of time and resources on identifying the right type of prospect for the business, but we do a terrible job actually matching the prospect with the right sales rep on the team to best serve them. Mm. In fact, I would even argue that we don't match them at all, right? If you think about how we establish the qualification criteria, ICP, buyer persona, lead score, and once a prospect meets them, or, you know, those types of things, and we call them a qualified prospect, we immediately start to treat them as like a universal interchangeable widget, right? And then we assign it to a sales rep who we also view as a universal interchangeable widget. But, you know, really the reality here is that they're not widgets at all. They're actually people. And what that means is that there's a whole bunch of ambient things, right? About each of them as people outside of the binary qualification process. And so it's not crazy to think that, you know, not all sales reps are excited about every prospect that they get or that they're going to work them all the same. It's also not crazy to think that, you know, every prospect enjoys, you know, the sales experience they have, you know, with every sales rep that they meet. And that's kind of what I talk about as the final mile, right? In lead distribution, where I see so many companies losing, you know, sellable opportunities in the process and what I set out to fix with open market. Well, that is absolutely, and I'm glad you gave us a detailed overview because when we're shifting mindsets like this and trying to introduce a paradigm shift effectively, I think it's important that we kind of go deep into understanding the logic behind this. And I would venture to say this is a latent problem for a lot of organizations, meaning they've probably become accustomed to the lack of productivity, lack of effectiveness, and some of the challenges that you, you know, kind of called out there. I think a lot of us have become just, you know, accustomed to it because we don't know a better way of doing that. One thing that does come to mind as I hear this is how does it work with the teams that are taking in, you know, propensity models into account? They're assigning accounts that they believe to be the right fit, right? And in some of the SDR teams that we work with, there's a, a small amount of qualification on target accounts. As long as you're getting to the right person, you know, at the right account, then we'll take the meeting. And that's kind of the general acceptance, I guess, across the business. But to your point, I mean, each person, each rep might be different, but the general rule of thumb is, hey, we're an account-based model. We believe them to be high fidelity for us. Do we still need to revisit the distribution? Where do you go with that? If I introduce that as a potential question, that's where I think of when I hear this. No, it's a great question because it's one I think that I get often, right? People say, well, well, then what becomes the qualification criteria? I would say that it doesn't change. We're just going to add another layer into it. And so again, when you think about the concept of like, we think that they're high fidelity, we've already vetted them. We understand the ICP, the buyer persona, all of those things still hold true. But what I'm adding in is this layer of understanding that the value is in the person who's receiving the lead. Mm. And that's dynamic now, right? And so when you think about as a sales rep, again, if I've got like this full pipeline, I maybe don't necessarily need a lead. I'm going to be a lot more selective. It could even just be something as simple as like, hey, I've sold that company before in the past. 
And while it doesn't look like a good lead, you know, on a fidelity standpoint, right, it might be a great lead to that rep. And that's going to create them, you know, the idea around just really owning that lead, being excited about working it and like putting it into their pipeline with excitement versus just sort of accepting it. I like that. I like that. And, you know, when we were talking before, one thing that really stood out to me about what shifts in this is something as tactical as the prospect's time that we're respecting. I think we get into a more customer-centric model through the scheduling of, of their time. Can you elaborate on that? I think, you know, in terms of we're going with their time versus our time and what works best for us, you had talked about that in our planning. Yeah. Well, so you hit on a question when we were doing the planning that I think comes up often in this model, right? Where, you know, a lot of the way people think about booking meetings today is, you know, the SDR gets a meeting and then, you know, they go over to the AE's calendar, right? And they look at who's the AE that's supposed to get this meeting. And then they have to like quickly source through their calendar to understand when is there an available time. And that's a really stressful process for the SDR to have to go through all of that, but also from being customer centric, right? Like imagine you're about to take a call with somebody and you know now the next thing you're doing is a negotiation around when that call can happen right and why are you doing that negotiation it's because we're really trying to pair you with one specific person and their calendars you know aren't always as booked as it feels but the sdr can't move things around and so what i mean by that is in the model of like look the way that it works today you know when you're thinking about doing the marketplace is you know the sdr would just say hey when can we meet the prospect gives them a day and a time and i found that to be a lot more customer centric because you know, what you're doing is you're accommodating the prospect around the time that they want to meet. And, you know, when you flip it over the fence to the account executive and they can see the day and the time that the meeting's booked, oftentimes, you know, if they really wanted to take that call, they probably have something on their calendar that could be moved, such as like a planning session, you know, for building a proposal, right? right. Like they could right. ship that to a different time, but the SDR can't make those moves. And so what you also find, aside from being customer centric, is you start to free up a lot more you know, sales capacity that you didn't realize that you had. Mm, huge point. You know, when I think about selling the opportunities on a marketplace and kind of going through a, I don't know if it's a bid process or an auction, if you will, I think that's yeah. what we talked about. I'm curious though, how does this now affect SDR compensation? You know, we build it a certain way, typically with alignment in mind. So are we basing it on the number of dollars that they're accruing throughout that month now, instead of number of meetings that have been taken place or number of opportunities that have been accepted, or is it just, you know, indicative of that? Yeah, I think so. There's a couple of ways you can sort of answer that question, but I would then, you know, personally transfer this over where the SDRs are compensated a big portion on market dollars that they earned. Right. And here's why. So when you think about a lot of the comp plans today, they're sort of constantly overcorrecting and there's nothing really that like is a good measurement of what value they're actually producing inside of the organization. And so the way that I think a lot of teams start out, it's a pretty natural progression. I think I've done the same in my career is you start off by just trying to get meetings, right? Trying to get at-bats and that's the quantity, right? So that's the quantity conversation. And then we start to realize, well, at-bats aren't just the only thing that matters. Like we actually need to be getting at-bats with like pitches we can hit. And so now you start to move it down the line and you start to think about compensating SDRs on either you know revenue or you put it in this model where you know, hey, ease have to accept it the pipeline, and that becomes the quality measurement. What market dollars does is it actually takes and moves and the conversation from quantity or quality. And what we really do is we start to draw a circle around what value the SDRs are creating for account executives. And what I mean by that is like, look, we just talked about how one AE might value a lead differently than another. Well, they might pay a higher price for that lead because they value it more, 
right? And if a lead they don't value as much, maybe they won't pick it up at all. And that's okay because the right rep will, or maybe a rep will pick it up who's just trying to get more at bats because they're trying to be busy. And what you do is you give them the ability to have, you know, more at bats at a cheaper price point, right? But they're going to get more of them throughout the month. And so, you know, measuring SDRs on market dollars really becomes like a third metric or the one that I think that we're all sort of chasing. And what we're really chasing isn't so much quantity or quality. What we want is the SDRs to create value for the sales team, right? And this is just the perfect way to measure it. Wow. Again, people, mind shift. This is changing the game here. And, you know, at first, when I first heard the message, it was hard for me to resonate with it. And so digging deeper, I realized that it was coming up against belief systems that, again, have been resonated in us for many years. I've been working with SDR teams for many years. And, you know, this model that we're talking about that we we're currently exist in from a distribution standpoint has always kind of been a challenge. And I'm glad to see a fresh take on it. So let's switch gears if we could a little bit. Talking about how you built open market. I think there was, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of research obviously that went into this. And I think you mentioned researching the bidding process or what kind of like went into building this, if you will. Yeah. I think it's just 15 years of dealing with the problem and thinking about it a bunch mm-hmm. <laughs> is where a lot of my data points came from, but we did, yeah, did a whole bunch of research, just kind of talking to the market in and around the bidding process. And I think a lot of people always want to know, well, hey, how does that work and what happens? And so when we were doing the research, there was really kind of two things that I had, I found that I really needed to be able to make sure that we could address, right? The first thing was, you know, variability, right? And price point around the actual leads. That's important because of, you know, being able to compensate SDRs and the value that they're creating, we needed a variable way to create, to create that. And so that was one of the ways that we really addressed the marketplace, you know, and price points and the operations of the marketplace on how it was built. But the other thing that kept coming up is like sales leaders would say, hey, look, like this is a really cool concept. Like we dig it. We're super into it. But here's my challenge with this, right? Like I don't want my top AEs or any AEs really being on calls and feeling like they have to be, you know, listening one ear on the demo, one eye on the marketplace. Right. Because what they don't want to do is create like this cutthroat environment where, you know, hey, if you miss the lead, come through and somebody else got it, like tough luck for you. So that was a really interesting one for us to figure out how to solve for. But the operations of the marketplace is is how we ended up coming up with it. So just kind of a quick recap here. The two things that we solve for when I tell you how this thing works, right? The first one was variability in price point. It's the thing that gets us the true, you know, measurement of value that's being created. And then the second thing was to not make it a cutthroat distraction during the day, right? Or a cutthroat environment. And so if anything, we wanted to be the exact you know, opposite of that. Like day so trading or something, you got to be, be watching the market all the time. And how am I doing my demos if I'm constantly watching the market, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And that threatened like this whole idea because like, listen, like, you know, it's important to be, you know, involved in the demos, but it's also important that, you know, look, sales reps say all the time, hey, like my leads suck. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great. So if you could pick your own leads, would you want to? And it's like, yes, well, then we need you to opt in in some way, shape or form. So how do I get you to participate in this in a way that's not distracting? And that's where the marketplace mechanism sort of came about. And so the way that we ended up solving that really is kind of interesting. We ended up creating sort of three tiers to the way the marketplace operates. And so the first thing here is that, you know, look, the SDRs just go about their day you know, business as usual, they find the demos that they want to book. When they get those demos booked, they create in, you know, a listing or they fill in a form that creates a listing. It has all the relevant information about that, that leader, that prospect, and they put it into the marketplace. And that's gets the listing established. But 
you know, at that point, AEs can look at the listing, but they're currently locked, right? And that was to make sure that everybody has the ability to go in at the same exact time every single day, you know, and be able to purchase leads out of there, you know, as they want to. And so to create that same time every single day, we created this concept of like an opening bell. Mm-hmm. So imagine, you know, four o'clock during the day, whatever, the demo's been booked all day, you know, AEs have sort of seen them and kind of have their eye on one or two of them. Now at the opening bell, what they can do is they can go in there and they can buy the lead right away if they chose to. But when they do that, they pay a premium for it, right? So you pay this premium, you pay the the most amount that that lead is going to sell for. You do a buy now option and you buy it off the marketplace and then you can own it. Now keep in mind, they have a limited number of dollars, right? So if they did this every single time, they would end up with lower leads, right? Lower quantity of leads, lower quantity of new, new leads that they're getting, but they would be a higher value to them. And so that's sort of like the supply and demand that the EEs can sort of like opt in and choose, you know, what makes the best fit for them. Now, if nobody was to buy it right away, right at the top tier price point, then what's going to happen next is they have the opportunity to make just like a blind offer for a period of time. And what that means is like, listen, maybe I don't want to pay the premium for this lead. I think it's still a really good lead. I'd love to have it. Then I would go ahead and just make an offer and say at the end of like a 30 minute period, whoever was the highest, you know, had the highest in there would just automatically win the lead. And then the next thing is always kind of the bigger question. It's like, well, what happens if nobody buys it, nobody bids on it, all these things? Well, then it just ends up in the discount pile is what I call it. So, you know, 30 minutes into this thing, nobody bought it now, nobody made an offer. Well, then it just goes to the absolute lowest price point a lead can be sold for. And then from that point forward, any rep that comes along can pick it up. And the value here is like really like that rep that I was talking about before, you know, who really just needs to build a lot of pipeline, needs a lot of bat bats, isn't necessarily worried about the quality of them because they've got the time to like work them and put in to turn, you know, something from that may not look so good into something that's really sellable. That's where those reps will be able to pick up those leads and they'll be able to get a lot more of them, right? To put more work into. And yeah, so that's the marketplace operations. I think we get a lot of questions around that. And well, what a- happens if they run out of money? You, you had mentioned that the market dollars, you know what? I mean, do they just get a replenish a new budget every quarter or how do we replenish if they did buy out the shop or the market, you know, do, how, do, how do they get more? That's such a great question. One that we also get often. And look, there's some fun ways you can start to use this currency inside of the system, right? So like, let's just, for example, like SDR team's crushing it. They're way over quota. We want those demos going out to the marketplace, but we didn't necessarily budget for them, right? So you could start to run contests for market dollars among the sales team if you wanted to, or like a really cool, unique idea that I see people doing as well is just doing buyback campaigns. You know, so you imagine like an AE has got a full pipeline of stuff that they're not really working. They would probably get rid of it if you asked them for it, if you were going to give them something else in return, right? And so what you do is just draw, you know, like a circle around a bunch of accounts and put them on a list and just have the marketing team say, listen, like we have an interest in putting these back into, you know, the prospecting pile. We'll do a buyback campaign and we'll give you so many market dollars, right? For every opportunity that you sell back to us. So there's a lot of creative ways of doing it. The short answer is that the system was intuitive enough when we built it to know that you're going to have to adjust market dollar balances from time to time. And so what we do is we give you the opportunity either based on a whole cohort, you know, to move like your whole SMB team up or your whole mid-market team down or whatever it is that you need to do or individual users, right? Like if there was just something that came up during the month where, you know, an individual user won a contest or sold some leads back, you know, then they'd be able to get more market dollars to go to go buy more leads in the system. Well, it sounds like you're creating you know, a lot of fun too, which I appreciate about this. It kind of 
it's creating some excitement, I would imagine, like any auction would have. Those good opportunities are coming in and that bidding process is starting. I'm sure it creates some sort of gamification inherently to it, which is exciting, you know, right? I mean, from a cultural standpoint. Yeah, listen, you know what it reminds me of? And there's probably other people that have been on a sales floor that, that you know, at the same time that a, a fantasy football draft is going off. It reminds me of that, right? I, I've never really been super big into sports, but I will tell you that every sales team I've ever managed that got an in-office fantasy football draft going on the day that it kicked off, there was more excitement happening <laughs> and people were just really, really excited. Now in a remote world, right? Like I think people really also appreciate this because you know, we talked about having that opening bell. And, you know, what you find is like everybody's online Slack, you know, talking and chattering during that period of which, you know, the marketplace opens. And so I think it also builds, you know, a lot of gamification, just culture building and things along those lines, you know, in a remote environment. So, yeah, no, there's definitely was never meant to be a gamification platform, but there is an element of fun and gamification to this that people seem to really enjoy. That's awesome. Let's talk about setup. I imagine this would be new to a lot of folks. So now that we've wrapped your mind around you know, the problem and how we're addressing it from a variety of standpoints. How easy is it to get set up and how do you support your accounts? Yeah. So one thing about open market was a pretty conscious decision in the beginning of building this thing is that it, it's built hundred percent in Salesforce. So in other words, it's hundred percent on force.com. It's an approved app in the app exchange. And so as far as getting it deployed, it's like any other Salesforce app. If you know that process, it takes about five minutes, a few clicks and boom, it's in your Salesforce environment. So that's nice. step one. But the second part of it is, you know, just getting the things configured, right? There's definitely plenty of dials to turn in there as far as making sure that your sales team has the experience that you want them to have and that it's something that's going to work for you. And so I spend about an hour with an admin to get all those dials turned, explain what those dials do. And that's really it. I made it so that it slices in really simple, really low overhead from that standpoint. And then the other really nice thing too about this is when we dial it in the right way, the sales team's experience is pretty straightforward, right? SDRs just have a button that they click that says, you know, sell, they fill in a form that's you know fully customized by the admin. And then account executives just have to click on the marketplace and you know, whatever leads are theirs to purchase. In other words, you know, if you're a mid-market rep, you can't buy SMB leads, like we have all of that worked in. Whatever leads are available for them to purchase, they can just see what's there for them. And all they have to do is learn how to click buy, right? And it's a fun process, so it's one that they lean into and they have a lot of fun with. But yeah, as far as setup goes, I mean, you know, five minutes to install, 60 minutes to configure and, you know, a whole lot of fun after that. So that's nice. That's, yeah. Well, and so Salesforce is the environment that we've built it on top of force.com. And so, you know, in, so your Salesforce shops, definitely go to your app exchange look up open market. You want to spell open market real quick? Cause I yeah, of yeah. course it's a funky startup way of spelling it, right? You just remove all the vowels and dad, you know, add dot IO after it. You've got a name, but it's just O P N M K T dot IO. That's the website. And also just the way that you spell it to find it in the app exchange. Very good. Yeah. And you know, typically we ask about other integrations as well, but because it's built on force.com, you can pretty much integrate with anything that's part of Salesforce then, right? Yeah, not only can you do integrations, which is really cool. I mean, Slack is a big one, but you're absolutely spot on. The other thing that makes it super interesting about being built in force.com or inside of Salesforce is all the other customizations and functionality that you would want to add to this work, right? So if you're a Salesforce admin and you're thinking about process builder or flows now, right? Validation rules and all those things and custom fields, you can really take the core of what we built and customize it to work in your environment. 
Beautiful. Well, that makes it a lot easier. And a lot of us are familiar with that Salesforce environment and definitely love to see it when we have those set up. Those integrations usually work really, really well. So in terms of setup, we got that covered. We talked about support. How does pricing work with this? Is this you know standard SaaS model or is, you don't have to give us a quote here on the podcast, but for those that are new to this and that are thinking about it, leaning forward potentially, what does the structure of pricing look like? Yeah, again, with it being built in Salesforce, we just mirror that. So it's a price per user, same way Salesforce is going to be configured, right? So you're thinking a seat basis, but an SDR and an AE would use would use a seat or use a license for it. And again, being built in Salesforce, it's really nice because we just slip into the same billing that they have as well. And so really simple, really Good straight. Point. And yeah. Good call out there. Yeah. So this is the part where we transition to understand a little bit more about open market and our guests and their SDR team. And, you know, in one of our podcasts that I had recently, they didn't have an SDR team. They were founder led. And I think you're in the same modality right now. Is that true? You are operating as the open market SDR as of today, as of this time of this recording. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Founder-led sales at this point. And, you know, that means I'm the SDR as well. But most of that, you know, is really just driven through my network at this point, right, that I've built up over the years. At some point, it'd be awesome to say that we've got a full sales team operating. Of course, you know, I'd love to lead that team. That would be a lot of fun. But like, you know, we've talked about, it's definitely a mind shift, right? And so what that means is nobody knows that this thing exists yet. And it's unsuspecting. They're not out there searching for this. And so, you know, me personally connecting with people and telling that story, is really important, right? To be founder-led at this point, I think that's where I'll be, you know, for the foreseeable future. But you know, also I'm really just enjoying, you know, a lot of the conversations I'm having with the people I connect with. I just think that there's so many people out there right now looking for new, you know, and innovative ways to do more with less. I think that open market really gives you the opportunity to do more with the same, right? You've got the same amount of leads. We're just giving you an opportunity to get more of those into pipeline. And the SDR to AE handoff just feels like this, you know, universal evergreen problem with a lot of the sales teams I'm talking to. And so yeah, founder-led sales, but really enjoying every minute of it right now. You know, that's good. And, you know, we can appreciate that in a big way. And we look forward to seeing how open market takes over the market going forward. And as you build out your team, any other technology that you're using right now to help drive your success from a sales development standpoint, how are you, what's a cool piece of technology or something that's really effective for your outreach? Yeah, I think, listen, I built the same stack that I think everybody else has, right? Some sort of outbound tool and all those things. So nothing super surprising in there. But the one thing I think that's been kind of fun to use, I like a little bit of a newer product, it's a company called Vidyu. And you know, if you remember back when reps were doing like short videos and they would hold up the whiteboard so that you knew it was personalized to you and they'd have some sort of fun message, Vidyu took in and digitized that. And I think it's mm-hmm. been a lot of fun to just use that, right? Because I think Listen, like the one thing for sure, as I'm doing some outbound prospecting is that it's a noisy market. I think it's gotten noisier over the years. And so what Vidu does a great job of is just kind of pattern disruption, right? You get this email with, with this GIF and it makes it so that you can make them real easy, real quick. And it gets a lot of attention. So Vidu is probably the one that I think I bring to the table and share with you and say, hey, you know, if you're going to check something out that's like new and different and exciting, I would look at them. I think it gets a good response rate when you use it. Well, there you go. There's the key there. Good response rates. Because in today's day and age, as we know, response rates are down. Contact rates are down across the board with a lot of teams. So anything we can do to cut the noise is is definitely greatly appreciated. So thank you very much for that, Tom. This has been very enlightening. Real quick, where can people find you, find Open Market? Where do you want to point them? Yeah, I would just go to the website and check it out. It's just that opnmkt.io. That's the website. Of course, it links back 
You can find me on LinkedIn and any of those other channels, but just opnmkt.io is a great place. Okay. Well, very good. Everyone, you've been listening to the 10 Bound Sales Development Podcast with Derek Williams and Tom Melbourne of Open Market. This is the Research Lab series where we are focused on researching technology that's driving success in sales development. Today, we learned about Open Market and how they're reimagining the SDR handoff process. Good luck. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.